Heavenly Father, indeed we thank you so much for your great love for us. Help me now to explain uh, your word clearly, that we will understand what the cross was all about. And most of all, we pray that you would help us to trust in Jesus' death for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How can we be right with a righteous God? How can we be right with a righteous God? Actually, if you look around you, very often in our world, uh, we're told that if you want to be accepted, you need to perform very well. Right? If you want to be uh, praised, then you need to get it from your own performance. So, you know, if you want to get good marks or impress your teacher, then you have to work hard for it. Or if you want to win your sports competition, you need to train hard for it. Uh, sometimes maybe we even feel that with our parents, you know, if we want them to love us, then we need to obey them and be diligent, right? We're taught, and so we almost think like this all the time, that our acceptance is related to our performance. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, I, I was never very sure whether I was going to heaven or not. Sure, I read the Bible, I knew that Jesus loved me, I knew that Jesus died for me on the cross, but actually I wasn't sure that I was going to, to heaven. Uh, the problem was, I was layering on a, a, this performance on top. So yeah, I thought to myself, if I'm reading the Bible and I'm going to church, then probably God is happy with me, I can go to heaven. But if I'm not reading the Bible or I did something bad, then probably God doesn't love me any, any, anymore. I'm not very sure. And so I had all these doubts in my mind. I was never really sure whether I would go to heaven uh, or not. And the problem was, I hadn't really grasped what it means that Jesus died for us on the cross. I'd heard about the cross, but I hadn't really understood it for myself. Uh, so that's what we're going to be thinking about today, the cross. Now, I want you to stand up for a moment. We'll do a bit of revision of these two ways to live talks. I don't know if you can still uh, remember the minds. These are the three boxes we've done so far. Please stand up. Let's stand up together. And the first box, remember, was all about uh, creation, God. Take it together. God is a loving ruler of the world. He made right, the world. He made us rulers of the world under him. Okay, so that was the first box, right? Uh, and the verse, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things by your will. They existed and were created. The second box, what was that all about? It was about sin, remember? This was sin, right? So sin is when we reject God, uh, well, reject the ruler, God, right? By trying to live our own way, <laughs> too excited, uh, without him, right? But we fail to rule ourselves or society or the world. Okay, and so the verse here, or we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then the third box was about judgment. What will God do about our sin? Well, you see here, God won't let us rebel uh, forever. God's punishment uh, for rebellion 
is death and uh, judgment after death. I don't really know how to do that one. So the verse, it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment. But today we come to the, the wonderful news of box four, that even though we have rejected our creator, even though we deserve death, uh, that God still loves us and he's made us a way to be saved. And this is the fourth, uh, the fourth box. Still. So because of his love, God's, God sent right, his, his son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross. Uh, Jesus always lived under God's rule, but he died in our place. And this is like substitution. Died in our place. So we can be forgiven, right? Fresh start, clean slate. So have a seat, uh, and we're going to think more about this, this fourth box here, what it means that Jesus died on the cross. And the first thing we see here is that Jesus came to save us because of God's love. Jesus came to save us because of God's love. So in Romans 5 verse 8, it says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I said at the start, often we think that we need to earn someone's approval by our performance, by working uh, really hard. And sometimes we can even think that about the cross as well. Maybe we can think, oh, the reason why God wants to save me is because I'm a good person, because I try hard to follow him, I try to go to church, I try to go to uh, read the Bible, and that's why God sent his son Jesus to, to die for me, because I, I've worked hard for it. The Bible says, no, that's, that's not how it works. Jesus doesn't come to die on the cross because we deserve it. In fact, Jesus comes to die on the cross because we don't deserve it. Uh, now, I want you to imagine this, uh, this scenario uh, I'm not sure if this is a real story or not. I have heard it before, but it sounds a bit made up, right? I, meant, I want you to imagine uh, a lady who runs onto the road and dives out to push someone out of the way of an oncoming car, right? That would be a very amazing sacrifice, isn't it? That they, you know, they kind of, they gave their life, they got hit by the car, they died in order to, to rescue this, this other person. Now, what if I told you then, that the person that she pushed out of the way and saved their life was actually someone who just stole her handbag, right? That would be even more amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, it's one thing to maybe save your, your son or save your family member. It's another thing to save someone who just robbed you, right? So I don't, I don't think it's a real story, but I hope you can imagine it. See, we expect people to love those who love them. It's not surprising if you love your parents if they love you. It's not surprising that you love your friends. Uh, they love you after all. But the idea of loving someone who is your enemy, someone who hates you, someone who wants bad things to happen to you, that's not something that you see very often, is it? But that's what Jesus does for us on the cross. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us when we are sinners. Have a look again at that verse. Uh, we'll start at verse 7 just before it. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person you might dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus dies for us when we are still rejecting God's rule, when we're saying, God, 
I don't want to know you. I don't want to follow you. I want to live my life my way. And so Jesus' death on the cross is the undeniable proof that God loves you. His love beyond measure. The cross means that no matter how bad I am or how many bad things that I've done in my life or how much I think I'm unworthy, that actually Jesus can save me and God can still love me. Yes, even you, with all of your flaws and faults, God can still love you. So that's the first thing. Jesus came to die because of God's love. Second one, we need to understand that Jesus was no ordinary man, but he was God. Jesus was no ordinary man. He was was God. Um, Jesus is God in human flesh. Listen to how John starts his, his gospel like this. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, the Word, it's a way of talking about Jesus, the Son of God. And notice what it says. It says that he is God. He is divine. Uh, he is the second person of the Trinity. He didn't just start to exist when at Christmas, you know, when he's born of the Virgin Mary. No, he's been here all this time. In fact, it says there in verse 3, all things were made through him. Jesus is the one who made everything, including, including us. In Genesis 1, you remember, God creates the world by speaking. And Jesus is now called God's word. He's the creator of the world. He's the creator of us. So we need to understand that's who Jesus is. Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully man. Right? Uh, he's not 50% God, 50% man, half God, half man. You put them together, then you've got 100%. No, it doesn't work like that. He's 100% God, 100% man. Fully God, fully man. And it's because Jesus is God, that's why he can do so many amazing things. That's why he can calm the storm and he can heal the sick. That's why he can feed thousands with a few loaves of bread. Why he can forgive sins. And a few times he even raised people back to life again from the dead. Because he is God in human flesh. Remember the time when he calmed the storm? The disciples think they're going to die. After that, this is what they, what they say. Mark chapter 4 verse 31. It says this. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And the answer is, he's God, right? Now, it's very important to understand that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Because if Jesus is only a man, then he can only die for one other person. Right? If he's only a man, he can only die for one other person. Right? So in order, in order to save the world, he needs to be divine, right? so that his death is valuable enough not just to pay for one person, but to pay for all the sins of the world. But it's not just enough that he is God. He also needs to be a human as well, isn't it? Because if he's really going to die for us, then he needs to be like us, isn't it? He can't just be a, a, a cat or a sheep or something. He has to be like us if he's going to swap places with us. So that's the second point. Jesus came to save us because of God's love. Second one, Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God. So the third point, Jesus died for us as a perfect man. 
Jesus died for us as a perfect man. Let's just do a bit, go back to the three boxes again. Let's next slide. So remember in box one, we were created to live under God's rule. Uh, but box two, we failed. We reject God's rule. We live our own way uh, instead. Universally, we do this. And so box three, that means we deserve God's judgment. We deserve death. But this is not Jesus, is it? Because Jesus always lives under God's, uh, God's rule. Go to the next slide. He always does what God wants. He never sins, not even once. He always loves God, his Father. He always loves his neighbour as himself. He's never proud. He's never selfish. He's always loving and just and kind. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15 says that he's been tempted as we are in every respect, but without sin. Now, I don't know. Maybe we think, oh, it's very easy for Jesus not to sin. You know, maybe he's a bit like uh, Superman. You know, Superman, uh, bullets just uh, just bounce off, right, because he's a superhero. Maybe we think it's like that for, for Jesus. Uh, very, very easy for him. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says in this verse that he is, he can sympathize with our weakness. He, he's been tempted in every, every respect. And so the temptation for Jesus is real. Uh, remember in Luke chapter, t- chapter 4, uh, Jesus is in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the devil. He, for 40 days and 40 nights, he doesn't eat anything. I don't know how he does that, but 40 days and 40 nights, he eats nothing. You'll be very hungry, isn't it? If I didn't eat for one day, I will be very hungry, let alone 40, 40 days. And then Satan tempts him, remember? Turn this stone into bread. That's a temptation that is far beyond what we have to face, isn't it? Or when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he dies. He's so scared of what's going to happen on the cross that he's actually got sweat of blood coming out of his his skin. But still he prays, not my will, but yours be done. He, he, He doesn't give in to the temptation. Now, at the moment, I'm trying very hard to lose some weight. The problem is I love Nazi Lamak too much and I love ice cream too much, right? And so I now have high cholesterol and my doctor is uh, threatening me. If I don't get my cholesterol down, then she's going to put me on medication, which I don't want, right? But it's very hard for me to resist, you know, to eat cornflakes instead of Nazi Lamak to drink water instead of having dessert. It's very difficult for me. The temptation is very strong. I just want to eat those things. But Jesus is not like me. Jesus is able to resist all those temptations. And you know what? It really matters that Jesus is sinless. Because if Jesus had given in to temptation and sin, even one time, then he wouldn't be able to rescue us anymore. If Jesus had sinned even once, then when he died, he wouldn't be dying for your sins. He'd be dying for his own sins. He'd take his own punishment. So to rescue us, he needs to be perfect. But he was perfect. He was the one person in human history that never sinned, not even once. He didn't deserve to die at all. And so when he dies on the cross, he's not dying for his sins. 
is able to die for our sins. So Jesus came to save us because of God's love. Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God. And Jesus died as the perfect man. And this all brings us to the most important point. Jesus dies as our substitute to bring us forgiveness. Jesus dies as our substitute to bring us forgiveness. Now, to say that he's a substitute, it means basically that he swaps places with us. Some of us here like to watch football. Does anyone like football here? No? No one likes football. This is Malaysia. What's going on? All right. So I like to watch uh, watch football. Uh, I follow the team Southampton, which I don't know if you know about them. They've had a very unfortunate season. They lost nearly every match, and now they've been relegated uh, to second division, which is quite bad. Now, when you watch football, uh, sometimes they have substitution, right? Uh, substitution, one player comes off the field, Another player goes on uh, in their place. That's what Jesus' death is about. Jesus is our substitute. You see, we have sinned. We should die. We should be punished. But Jesus swaps places with us. He bears our sin. He takes our punishment. And the result is that we can live. That's what it says in this verse in 1 Peter. Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So on the cross, Jesus takes our death penalty. It says Christ suffered once for sins. The punishment for sin is death. That's box three, isn't it? But on the cross, he takes that punishment. And it says he did it once for all. On the cross, he dies for all of our sins, our sins in the past, our sins in the present today. He also dies for our sins in the future as well. All of our sins from beginning to the end, he dies for them on the the cross. And he does it as a substitute. That's the next part. It's the righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus is the righteous. We are the unrighteous, but Jesus is swaps places with us. Uh, He should live, we should die, but on the cross he dies so that we can live. And the result, he brings us to God. He brings us forgiveness. He restores our relationship uh, to God again. Now you probably saw that I I took one of the books off the shelf just now. Uh, What is this book? Wilbur Smith, River... River God, never read that before. Okay, imagine that this book for a moment is a record of all of my sins. I tried to pick a fairly thick book because there's a lot of sins by the time you reach my age. Uh, Imagine this is all the times that I've rejected God, served myself, hurt other people. This book, Book of Sins, it breaks my relationship with God. God's in heaven. It breaks. It breaks the relationship with God. Now imagine now that this is Jesus, right? Jesus is perfect. He never sinned. He doesn't have a book like me, right? He always loves God. He always loves other people. But on the cross, there is the swap, right? He, Jesus, takes all of my sins onto himself. And then he's punished. He dies 
instead of me. And what's the result for me? I've got no more, no more sins. They're, they're all paid. I can have a good relationship with God. Again, so in other words, God doesn't just uh, ignore our sins and think, oh, no, they actually pretend that they don't exist or something like that. No, he pays for the sins in full by putting them onto Jesus instead. So sometimes people ask, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? I mean, if God is so loving, why doesn't he just forgive people? You know, what, what, why would he have to punish Jesus instead? And the answer is because God is perfectly holy. He's perfectly just. He can't just ignore our sins. I mean, imagine if someone did something quite bad to you. Maybe they came to your house and robbed your house. You know, they took your computer, they took your everything, TV, everything. And then the police caught them. They get taken to the court. They appear before the judge. And the judge says, oh, never mind. You can go home. I'm pretty sure you'll be very upset, right? Say, well, what about my TV? And what about my iPad? And what about all the other things that they stole? You just said you can go home and nothing happened. You will be very angry, right? He'll be a very bad judge. He won't be a judge for very long. So God can't simply ignore our sins. If God just ignores our sins, that means he's not really good. It means that God's actually evil because he doesn't care about right and wrong at all. But God is perfectly good. And so do you see the problem? He wants to forgive our sins, but he can't ignore them either. So there's only one way he can save us, which is to take the sins onto himself. So he's not ignoring the sins, they are punished. But we can be we can be forgiven. So as Jesus dies on the cross, it's very it's very uh, it's a free gift for us. Forgiveness is offered to you for free. You don't have to do anything to earn it. But it's very costly uh, for for Jesus. So we've seen Jesus came to save us because of God's love. Jesus is no ordinary man, but he's God. He dies as the perfect man who never sins, and he is our, dies as our substitute, right? He swaps places with us. And that brings us to the last point for, for today. And that is Jesus' death saves us when we put our trust in him. I want us to look at that most famous verse in the Bible from John 3.16. Have you memorized that verse? Yeah, it's a good one to memorize. We're going to read a longer part. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Do you see what that is saying? Jesus' death on the cross doesn't mean that you're automatically saved. doesn't mean that you're automatically going to heaven. So it, it doesn't really matter whether you follow Jesus or not. Jesus' death means we now have a choice. Will we trust in him and allow him to take our punishment for us? Or will we say, no thanks, don't care about you. I'll, I'll keep my sins for myself. We've got that choice, you see. 
Will we believe in Jesus and trust in his cross or say, no, thank you. We must put our trust in Jesus to receive eternal life. Now, in this way, Christianity is very different to other, other religions. I don't remember if I showed you this before, but other religions is about doing. In order to, to, to please God, to get blessing, to get life, you have to be a good person. But that's not what Christianity is about, you see. Christianity says, no, you're not a good person. Your only hope is to trust in what Jesus has done for you. So getting to heaven, it's not about being good. It's not about going to church. It's not about being religious. It's not about getting baptized or any of those things. They're good things. But being a Christian is about recognizing you're a sinner. You've got a problem with God, a big problem. And only Jesus can can rescue you from it. Only he can save you. So I want to ask you today, have you trusted in Jesus? Have you given your sins to him? This is a personal decision that each one of us has to make. It doesn't matter, you see, what's written on your IC, if you've got one of those. It doesn't matter about your parents, what they believe, whether they believe in Jesus or not. It doesn't matter whether you're baptized as a child or not. The question is, have you personally put your trust in Jesus, given him your sins? Uh, If you've not already, please, please make that decision to trust in Jesus. In in the end, that's the reason why I decide to come and spend these sessions with you uh, every every month or so. Of course, there's a lot of other things I could do. But actually, I really care that every single one of you here knows Jesus as your saviour, that you personally trust in him. Because you really need to do that if you're going to have eternal life. So in the end, nothing else is as important as that. It doesn't really matter how good the marks are or anything else. If you know him, that is the most important. And if you have already received Jesus, then you know It's so good to know Jesus. It's so good to know his love, to know that you are forgiven, to know that you are safe. Your future is safe. It is so good to know Jesus. So let's do a summary then as we come to the end. What have we seen? Jesus came to save us because of God's love. Jesus was no ordinary man. He was fully God. Jesus died for us as the Perfect man, he was sinless. Jesus dies as our substitute to bring us forgiveness. And Jesus' death saves us when we trust in him. So that 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. So will you make that personal decision to trust in him? I don't do this in every talk, but I wanted to give you an opportunity today to to say a a prayer to become a Christian if you wanted to do that. Uh, You might already be a Christian. You can also pray this prayer to recommit your life to Jesus. That would also be good. But if you think, well, I haven't given him my sins yet, but I want to do it right now, then this is a kind of prayer you you can use. It's not a magical prayer. You could use other words if you wanted to. But... The thing about this prayer is saying, Jesus, I want you to take my
I sense. So let me read it, and then if you want to pray it, then you can pray it quietly in your heart, uh, in your head, uh, to God, okay? And we'll all close our eyes so no one feels embarrassed. Let me just read it first. Dear Father God, thank you that you made me and loved me. I admit that I have rebelled against you and deserve your punishment. Thank you for sending Jesus to save me. Thank you that he took my punishment on the cross. Please forgive me. and Help me to live with Jesus as my Lord from now on. Right? So that's the prayer that we will, will pray. So let's all close our eyes uh, so that those who want to pray this can, can, can do so. And you, you can pray it quietly in your, in your mind and heart. Let's pray. Dear Father God, Thank you that you made me and love me. I admit that I have rebelled against you and deserve your punishment. Thank you for sending Jesus to save me. Thank you that he took my punishment on the cross. Please forgive me. Help me to live with Jesus as my Lord from now on. In Jesus' name. Amen.